Worship team, make sure I can see your pretty faces when during this, in case I need you. Can you lower my mic down just a little bit? Praise God. Pastor Sarah is going to be patrolling the lobby because uh, they told us that some adults were hanging out in the lobby instead of being in the sanctuary. They were chismeando and hanging out and they weren't in the sanctuary listening to the word of God. So now Pastor Sarah has to patrol and make sure. So I'm just telling some of you guys, if you were some of them, then be, be advised. Okay, we're coming for you. For those of you that are going to the restroom five times during the sermon, uh, we need to lay hands on you. That's not normal. It's true. All right. You bring your Bible tonight? Let's go to the book of Romans chapter 8, please. Tonight well, I'm going to be preaching a message I've entitled, Set Your Mind. The mind is an incredible thing. Incredible thing. And I think that tonight the Lord has a word for us tonight from the book of Romans chapter 8. Tonight we're going to be talking about uh, life and death and how it really stems from a mind that is either set on the flesh or after the spirit. Romans chapter 8 verse 5 and 6. Uh, we're going to talk about a few things tonight. We might go to the gospel of John chapter 1 verse 14 and we might end up in 2 Corinthians 3. We'll see how this goes tonight. I, try, I will try to be brief uh, Romans chapter 8. If you can stand, please stand to your feet for the reading of the word. Romans chapter 8. Okay, take your Bible in hand or your smartphone. It's not going to be on the screen until Pastor Sarah returns. Romans chapter 8, verse 5 and verse 6. Okay, verse 5 and verse 6. If you see me holding the Bible up, it's because the print's very small. And I, I'm, not, I'm too proud to wear glasses. Romans chapter 8, verse 5 and verse 6. Follow along with me. You don't have to read out loud. The Word of God says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds... Hmm, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is... But to set the mind on the Spirit... Wow. For those of us who live according to the flesh, it is because our minds are set on things of the flesh. But those of us who live according to the Spirit, we set our minds on the things of the Spirit. Verse 6, for to set our mind on the flesh or things of the flesh is death or brings death. Okay? To set the mind on things of the flesh brings death, but to set the mind on things of the spirit brings life. Uh, it's, uh, this version says is life. Greek should be brings life, okay? Very important. Brings life and brings peace. So tonight, everybody here falls into one of two categories. Everybody. You are either bringing death or you're bringing life into, into your situation. Let me be clear. That's the sermon already. You are either bringing death or life into your situation. You either have peace or you're lacking peace. 
The issue for us is, though, how is it that we are pursuing peace? How are we pursuing wholeness? This becomes the issue for us. Because everybody tonight, whether you realize it or not, you are missing, we are lacking something. Financially, emotionally, relationally, spiritually, physically, everybody here is lacking something. That's a fact. Everybody here has a need or an area of need. You might need finances. You might be worried about your relationship. You might be worried about your marriage. You might be worried about your children. Now, here's the thing. How are you pursuing wholeness? How are you pursuing grace? How are you pursuing? What are you setting your mind after? In other words, how are you setting out to get those things that you lack? That is ultimately what your mindset is. So if you are pursuing financial security by way of things of the flesh, you're bringing death into your situation. If you're pursuing wholeness in your marriage by way of carnal, carnal things, you're bringing death into your situation. Things aren't going to get better, they're going to get worse. We're going to spend time in the Gospel of John where it talks about how if we will behold the glory of God, listen carefully, if we will behold the glory of God, then what happens is we become a recipient of grace upon grace. I wrestled with where to begin, either John or Romans. The Lord had me begin in Romans. Let's bow our head and ask God to speak to us. Father, we love you. We bless you and we honor you tonight for your word and for your spirit that is in this house. Lord, as we sit at your feet, I pray that you would feed us, Lord, both the bread, Lord, the milk and the meat, Lord, of your word, that we would be satisfied until we want no more. I pray that your people, Lord, would be edified and that your name would be glorified. Lord, help us to fix our eyes, our hearts, Lord, and all that we are upon you. Help us. Lord, to gaze fully into thy wonderful face until the things of this world grow faintly dim. Lord, help us, I pray tonight, to realign, to readjust, Lord, our mindset. You said that we are transformed by the renewing of our minds, so tonight we need to be transformed. Give us grace tonight, Lord, as we dive into your word. Anoint me, Lord, to preach your word like you gave it to me, and we will be careful to give you praise. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Be seated. Our mind has the ability, the capacity to focus on something, to focus on something that it chooses. Right now, some of you are so focused, you're locked in on what your problems are. You know who I'm talking to. You are so focused on what your needs are, what your problems are. Our mind has the capacity, the capability to so get locked into something, a problem. We can focus our attention on a problem or an idea or a situation, even on good things. Though we can focus our minds on hope, on things above, on God, on the spirit, on things of the spirit. Our mind has the capacity and the capability to do what animals cannot do. Animals are reactive. They react. Uh, they, they, they respond to certain senses, but not like us. This is what separates us from animals. We have the ability to focus our attention on a particular thing. That's the power of the human mind. God made us that way. But because there is such power in what we set our mind on, the scripture is replete. The scripture is full of warnings, admonitions, and exhortations as to what we should set our mind on. Somebody shout mindset. Ultimately, I believe that your life will reflect the condition and the position of your mind. Please listen carefully. Your life is going to reflect the condition and the position of your mind. If there is a lack of transformation in your life, it is because your mind hasn't been renewed. 
Bible says, be ye transformed, do not be conformed to the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. You cannot be transformed with the same mind. Your mindset has to change. Touch your neighbor and tell them, your mind's got to change. You can't go into a new year with the same mindset. You can't, you're going to continue to repeat those same toxic behaviors. You're going to repeat those same mistakes until you allow the Lord by his word to renew your mind. It is our mindset. What are you dwelling on tonight? What are you dwelling on? What are you dwelling on tonight? They were so heavy in my spirit. The Lord was like, what are you dwelling on? I wrestle here in my mind. My mind is constantly at war, constantly at war. And I have to remind myself, I have to remind myself that it's through the word of God that my mind is kept in peace. I need to realign and reset my mind because it is set. It wants to be set on carnal things. It wants to be set on what troubles me. It wants to be set on everything, everything that would draw my attention away from the glory of his grace. Grace. And so instead of receiving the grace of God by fixing my mind and my heart on his glory, instead I fix my heart and my mind on, him, on my problems and I become frustrated. And in turn I end up frustrating the grace of God because I set out to change my situation with carnal means. You're dwelling on something, and let's be clear, if, unless we are dwelling constantly, unless we are constantly reminded to dwell and to gaze and to be in awe and to be amazed by the glory of His grace, then our mind is going to dwell on everything else. If you're worried about how it's going to come and when it's going to come, it's because tonight, ultimately, your heart and your mind has to look upon the glory, the glory of God. And as our hearts are turned to his glory, what do you mean by that? That sounds too spiritual. How do you want me to apply that to my life? It's real simple. When Jesus is the only thing that satisfies your soul. Ah, uh, you're being too spiritual now. Come on, really? Only Jesus? I mean, what about my car? What about my money? What about my clothes? What about my workout routine? These things bring me joy. There's nothing wrong with those things bringing you temper. I get it. They make you happy for a little while. But if Jesus is not the center and the true source of all that you are, you're going to be missing it. You're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. The Lord knows if more money is what you're after. The Lord knows if a bit. The Lord knows what you're really pursuing. This ultimately is about what you are pursuing and how you're pursuing it. What are you pursuing and how are you pursuing it? What are you pursuing tonight and how are you pursuing it? If you're looking for peace in a relationship, it's not going to come. If you're looking for satisfaction in sex, it's not going to come. If you're looking for fulfillment in your career, that's temporary, but it will not last last only Jesus I'm preaching better than you me I said only Jesus only Jesus only Jesus can satisfy the longing of your soul and so my prayer tonight was God realign the affections of my heart because I'm longing and I'm pursuing these things and other avenues help me again to look full into the glory of your grace because my heart is pursuing other means my heart is pursuing joy outside of you and some of you are looking for joy some of you think that if your problem is fixed and that's going to settle it no as long as Jesus is not the object of your affection as long as Jesus isn't the love
fiber of your soul, nothing that this world gives will ever satisfy. Baby, I know he's cute. I know you think he's hotter than Ken. I get it. I get it. I get it. But that man can't do it. He can put a ring on it. You can live in a big house, have 2.5 kids and a white picket fence. But as long as God is not the center of your affection, as long as his glory is not what you long for, he ain't going to cut it either. And you're going to sit there one day and say, oh my goodness, I'm married, I have the house I wanted, I drive the car I always wanted to drive, I have a dog, I have two kids, and there's still something missing in me. Hello. Your wife wasn't ever made, she wasn't created to satisfy the longing of your soul. Money can't satisfy the longing of your soul. That's why the Bible says you can't serve God and money at the same time. It uses the word mammon. I know what the scripture says. It's talking about money. You can't serve God and money at the same time. Some of you think that relationships are going to fit. No, that's not going to fix it either. These things are just auxiliaries. They're extras. They're additives. But only God, only, only God, only, only being satisfied in Jesus. You see, when you're satisfied in Jesus, you come into a place called wholeness. And when you're truly whole, you don't need anybody to add something to you. This is dangerous thinking because, because we're so used to looking for someone else to fill that void that only God can fill. Don't look at me like I'm strange. You thought, if I can just get my promotion, if I can just get that college degree, and there you are, you got it, baby, you got it. You walked across the stage, you shook their hand, and then you woke up the next day with $100,000 of student debt. And you look at that degree with your name on it and realize, oh, hmm, hmm. Still something missing in me. Somebody shout only God. Somebody shout only God. Now look at your Bible here because Romans, Paul writes in Romans chapter 8 about the mind or about the mindset. Somebody say mindset. Now put it up there on the screen. Let's read it. I'm going to give you a few things before we go to John. Ready? Read. Stop. Everybody together. Ready? Read. Uh-huh. Keep reading. Verse 6. Put it up there. That tells us, number one, that what you set your mind on determines whether the issue is life or death. Whatever you set your mind on determines whether the issue is going to be life or death. I know this is simple. It's so necessary. Where's your mind at? What are you dwelling on? Are you bringing life into your situation or death? So many of us have become, we're, we're, we, especially in this generation, we've become far too passive. We, 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 we've, tried to, we've tried to walk into wholeness. We've tried to get these things that we lack by way of talking it out. Or, 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 or we, we've just taken this kind of this passive approach to this. But I believe that Paul here in Romans 8, what he's talking about is an aggressive mindset. If there is ever a time for the Christian to be aggressive, it's in regards to your mindset. I believe this. 
We have to become aggressive. We can't be passive about, uh, about the things that our mind dwells on. You have to be intentional. You have to almost be militant about what your mindset is on a daily basis. We can't just say, well, maybe I can talk through it. Or maybe I'm just dealing with it. I get it. We, we, we can't just say, well, I'm, gonna, I'm trying to discover the root of my brokenness in the family. I'm trying to go back. But there is a much more aggressive way, a biblical way that we can approach change because change comes through the mind. It's the renewing of our mind. And if transformation begins up here in our mind, then we must be more assertive. We have to be more assertive. We have to take responsibility over what we allow in our noggin. Ultimately, this isn't the pastor's responsibility. I can't come and do that every day. Every day you have to wake up and say, Lord, I want a mind that is set on you. Lord, let my mind be set on you. Let my mind be set on you. My mind be set on you. This is important because secondly, our emotions, they're governed by what we dwell on. You don't want to be honest about it tonight, but that's right. Your emotions, they're governed by whatever you're dwelling on. Some of you are upset tonight because you're focused on your problem. Got your emotions all out of whack. You want to know why? Because your mind is set on that thing. Our emotions are governed by what we dwell on. Ask your neighbor, what are you dwelling on? I want you to consider what I'm telling you. You want to know how you can tell that somebody's not dwelling on Jesus and the glory of his grace? Because they're consumed by worry. How can you look full into the glorious grace of God and, be, and, and leave this place worried like if he's a deadbeat father? How can you look full into the glory of his grace and leave here tormented in your soul without peace? Because the Bible says, whose ever mind is stayed on him, he will keep him in perfect peace. Well, pastor, what you're telling me is that I need to bury my head in the sand and act like I don't have any problems? Wrong. That's not what I'm telling you. I'm not telling you to turn a blind eye. I know, you, I know what you have going on, but guess what? God knows what you have going on even more than you know what you have going on. Turning our heart toward the glory of his grace is not burying your head in the sand. It's getting proper perspective every day in regards to what you're facing. How can you go out there every day without depending upon the grace of God? How can you go out there and encounter that marriage that's struggling? How can you go out there and encounter your financial situation depending on your own self, on your own abilities? to get You can't do it on your own. You need the grace of God. I wish somebody would say a good amen to that. Because my emotions today, yesterday, and tomorrow, my emotions are going to be governed by whatever I'm setting my mind to dwell on. It's a fact. Allow yourself to dwell on your problem long enough. It's going to change up your whole mood. And why aren't the ladies talking to me tonight? Because I'm especially talking to the ladies. What, why, what do you mean the ladies? Yeah, because ladies, you wear your emotions on your sleeve. Men, we tend to internalize those things a little bit better than you do. Don't get mad at us. That's how God made us. Some of you ladies, I saw you when you walked in. You were grumpy lumpy, cara de limon. Men tend to internalize those things. We tend to internalize those things. But women, boy, they'll let you know. They'll let you. You be knowing. When the pobre man asks you, are you okay? Well, what's wrong? Nothing. Let me help you youngsters. When she says nothing, you're in trouble. 
When she says nothing, it's everything. And if she ever says, I'm okay, she is not okay. One more, gratis, ahí te va. Ready? If she ever says, go ahead and do it, do not do it. Man of God, listen well, listen good. If, if she ever says, it's fine, go ahead and do it. Do not, under any circumstances, do it. Take your shoes off, sit yourself on the couch, and put your head down until she comes back. Paul is telling the church at Rome is this next point. Listen carefully. When our minds put it up there, when our minds are set on things of the flesh, that means when our minds are carnal, yes, when, yes, Christian, he's talking to you. When your mind is carnal, what you're doing is bringing death into your life. That's what the Bible says. I know that's hard, but he gets deeper. We don't have the time to get, read the rest when you get home. But this is what he's telling you. This is how important it is. Pastor, is it really all that important? Yes, it is. Because Paul's saying if your mind is carnal, you're bringing death into your situation. So make sure that your mindset, make sure that your mind is set. I, that, that's a better way to put it. Make sure that your mind is set on spiritual things. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? Because if not, you're saying let death come into this situation. Let death come into our home. Let death come in. My heart and my mind, let it govern my emotions. Let it set the tone for my day. Some of you, your mind was set on your problem all day today. That's why you couldn't praise God. That's why it was difficult. I feel the Holy Ghost. That's why it was difficult for you to enter into worship. And we could have the best singers, the best music. It could be glory. We could have angels from heaven singing the praises of God. And you still wouldn't enter in. You want to know why? Because your mind was set on carnal things. And you can't get into, you can't enter into that place of worship and intimacy with God because your mind set. Your mind is set on things that are carnal, things that are hostile towards the spirit. Are you in the house? So we have to be careful of this. Now I want you to go to John now. I have to, I could spend an hour on this, but let's go to John chapter 1 quickly. Look at verse 14. Uh, let's get a little bit deeper. Can we go a little bit deeper here today? <clears throat> All right. John 1, look at verse 14 quickly. Uh, when you have it, shout, I got it. Uh, John chapter 1, verse 14 through 16. It's up there on the screen. Come on, ready? Read. Wait, wait, wait. Everybody, ready? Read. Uh-huh. Yes. Now, and the word became flesh, talking about Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have, ready? We have seen what? Follow me. We have what? We have seen his, somebody shout glory. Glory in Greek is doxa. Glory in Hebrew is kabod. Kabod is just, if I could describe it to you, if a Jew were here, he would say it's the weight of his glory, the weight of his presence, okay? The substance of his glory, that it's weighty, okay? We have seen, we saw in Jesus his glory. And keep reading. It is glory as of the only Son from the Father. Ready? Don't miss this. Don't miss this. You missed it. This glory that we saw in Jesus, this glory, everybody say this glory. This glory is defined, his glory has a nature. Here it is, glory has a nature. What is it? It's full, you missed that. You're not getting it. The glory of God is, 
Help me, y'all. The glory of God is full of. What's it full of? Somebody say the glory of God. Come on, LC, say the glory of God is full of grace and truth. Verse 15. Ready? Read. John bore witness about him and cried out. This was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. Verse 16. Everybody together now, loud and strong. Verse 16. For. Okay, okay, okay. That's not what 200 people reading sounds like. I'm sorry. Everybody reading. Ready? Read. For. Stop. Everybody in the back. Why aren't you reading in the back? I see you back there. Ready? Read. For. What do we receive? Somebody shout grace upon grace. How many recognize that you need God's grace? Everybody that has a carnal mindset, everybody that struggles, and that's everybody, by the way, so this is a test. This is only a test. Ready? Everybody that has a carnal mind, we need the grace of God, and the grace of God comes when we behold his glory. So what I came to tell you is, here's the answer to whatever it is that your mind is set on. Ready? The glory of God. Us, listen, us beholding his glory. If we can behold his glory, then what happens is, is that we become a recipient of grace upon grace. You, you, you see, we have, a, we, have, we have difficulty getting excited about this, but if, if, if this word will find good ground in your life, you'll realize that the answer to a carnal mindset is truly, ready, hear it, real simple, is truly beholding his glory. Tell me what it's like to be consumed, saturated, and surrounded by the glory of God. What is it like? No, no one's ever been in the glory of God before? course you have if you're saved you've encountered the glory of God already what's it like talk to me what's it like is there torment there is there worry there are you consumed in your mind with just oh, oh my god no what happens when you enter into the glory of God what happens those things just kind of what is it because the problem all of, all of a sudden disappeared but what happens Everything that we receive is given to us by means of grace. You need to say amen to that. You don't receive anything from God because of your performance. If you came into the kitchen and said, Kelly, I praise you for being such a good wife so that you can cook me dinner. That's not real praise. What you're doing is you're trying to get her to do something and that's performance. You didn't grasp what I just told you. We've been taught that we praise God to get something. The moment you praise God to get something, it's no longer praise. That's performance. You're not getting it. If you praise God to receive something from him, that's no longer praise. That's performance. We praise God. Praise, listen to me, praise is not a means to an end. Praise is the end. In other words, you give God praise not to get him to do something. You give him praise because he's already done something. 
We've been told if you want God too, you got to. If you want God, and what you're doing is you're literally, you're literally incarcerating yourself into a system of performing. You're saying, if I do, God will. And that's not why, that's not what real praise is. Praise is recognizing the attributes of his glorious grace without, listen to me, without us trying to coerce God to do absolutely anything. Who can move the hand of an almighty God? Let me let me help you with this. Everything we receive from him is by way of his grace. That means forgiveness is by means of grace we don't earn it the love of God is by means of grace he loves us just as we are you can't do anything to get him to love you more you can't do anything to get him to love you less that is good news because it's all his grace now if grace is so important if everything that we receive comes by way of the grace of God then somebody should want to know how do I get grace upon grace why aren't we asking tell me how to access the grace of God here it is ready Behold his glory. In other words, let your heart be so consumed and so satisfied with his glory that the grace of God flows through a funnel from heaven just down to your life. That's exactly right. When your heart's affection is not his glory, when the purpose of your life is not the glory of God, you're always going to have a mindset that brings death. Put it to me, what are you trying to tell me? The Lord knows what your desire, what the desire of your heart truly is. Why do you want a bigger house? Is it for his glory? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it down to myself because y'all are looking at me strange. Let, let, let me tell you this, even, even good things, can be a miss of his glory. Listen to this. Just today as I was praying for the church and asking God for direction, I've been praying every day for this, every day for this. And even then today in the afternoon when I was, I was buying myself an escamocha. Sorry, I was buying myself fruit with yogurt. I don't even know what escamocha means, but that's what they call it. I was buying fruit with yogurt at Kios Raspados. And as I was waiting for my escamocha, which was overpriced, by the way, as I was waiting for my escamocha, I was looking out the window and listen carefully. Right then and there in the middle of Kios. I believe the Spirit of the Lord said, Son, even good things, you can miss my glory even by the desire or pursuing of good things. I was like, what you mean? A new church, a new building. If the purpose, if the soul and the primary purpose is not the glory of his great name, then it doesn't matter how many buildings we have. I'm telling you what he told me. He says, son, make sure that you're not pursuing a building. Y'all ain't, you ain't catching me. You're looking at me like, mm-hmm, that's right, pastor, shame on you. But what are you pursuing? If my pursuit, listen, if my pursuit 
is even the resolution of my problem, I'm still missing. I know you want God. I know you need God to fix it. But the primary motive behind your desire to see it fixed has to be his glory. I don't know if it's, I don't know if this is finding the, 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 the target. I know you want God to fix it. You know what it is. But if your primary pursuit or reason behind it getting fixed is not his glory, then you're missing. Because what's going to happen is it will get fixed. But if the primary purpose behind it getting fixed is not his glory, then all, the only thing that's going to happen is another thing is going to come next year. And you're going to find yourself right back in the same rut because you didn't realize that the purpose of the trial was the glory of his great name. My God, you're not catching me in here. And until you realize that the hell and the high water that he allowed you to go through was to bring glory to his own name, you're going to find yourself in the same cycle, different address, same situation, because we're not realizing that the end game of it all is the glory of his own name. What did I I came to tell you look in the face of Jesus be enamored with him not your house not your money not your bills not your car not your baby not any let the glory of God literally be the funnel of his grace so that whatever you're facing at the end of it all will end up glorifying his great name so that when other people see you thank you Holy Ghost so that when they see your good works catch it they will glorify your father who is in your bible sister Dina said and when they see you they ungodly unbelievers he's talking about those that know god when they see your good works when they see god working through you then guess what they're going to do they're going to turn around and give glory to your father as long as it's about you you're missing it's about my family. You're missing it. It's about God's glory through your family. It's about my healing. It ain't about your healing. It's about God's glory through that healing. It's about my relate. It ain't about your relate. It's about God's glory in that relate. I'll take it further for me. It's about the ministry. No, it ain't about the ministry. It's about the building. No, it ain't about the building. It, are you hearing what I'm telling you? He said, boy... Check your pursuit. Because even a good thing, I know you want it. I know you mean well. But always remember that this is about my glory. So, instead of stressing about how, when, and where, turn your heart again and look full into my glory behold my glory there's an old song that says turn your eyes upon jesus look full in his wondrous wondrous face and the things the cares the fears the worries i'm adding of this world will grow what does it say will grow what strangely dim ready here it is in the light of his glory and grace 
in light of his glory and grace, all of our cares become a little less important. They stop consuming our mind, and our mindset is then able to pursue things of the spirit. Somebody shout glory. glory. Uh, Y'all are making me work too hard tonight, I promise. Uh, somebody shout glory. glory. Somebody shout grace. grace. One more time, shout glory. glory. Shout grace. grace. One more time, say glory. glory. Shout grace. grace. John 1, glory and grace, they're connected. The glory of God has a nature. What is it? Grace and truth. And so if we can pursue glory... If we can set our heart after his glory, ready? That means, Lord, this is about your glory, not mine. This is about your exaltation, not my promotion. This is about your exaltation, not my elevation. We have people in ministry, Elder Brown, looking for a bigger title, right? I'm now the supreme triple archbishop, right? Pretty soon we're going to start calling it, I'm the baby pope up in here. I'm the baby pope. And they have to, you, have to get, you get to the place where you have to wonder, is this about his glorification or is this about my elevation? But I'm convinced that um, the lower we get. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Give me Bible. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will lift you. You got to go. I'm out of time. But, but what I, all I came to tell you is this. What's your mindset on? If we can turn our minds, if we can set our hearts on his glory, then the grace of God will come pouring. Grace upon grace will come to your life. I'm going to give you one more scripture before we go home, and it's 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. I'm, I'm out of time, but I believe the Lord has uh, spoken some things to your heart already because you know where your mind's at. Now watch what 2 Corinthians 3 says. Junior, uh, Andres, come quickly. Ready? Let's read it con ganas. Ready? Uh, somebody tried to help me, by the way, this week. They said, Pastor, was it you, Brother Tino? He said, hey, Pastor, here's a word for ganas that you can say, I think, instead of ganas, right? And what was it, Brother? Do you remember? Yen? Yen? What is that? A strong desire? Uh, read it con yen? That ain't working. We'll stick to ganas. I want you to see this. I want you to read this. Ready? 2 Corinthians 3. Watch what Paul says to the church of Corinth. Ready? Read. Wait, you, got, you can't just read the Bible. You have to read the Bible. We go too fast. And we just miss it. Sorry, I get excited. And we all. You have to savor it. You got to taste it. Like, you got to eat it like it's bread. Because it is. Eat it like it's meat. Ready? And we all, with an unveiled face, ready? Beholding the... Stop. You read that? And we all, what? With an unveiled face, beholding what? Glory of the Lord. 
And what happens when we behold the glory? And we come to the altar and we're like, Lord, change me, change me, rearrange me. I'm just here to change, Lord, change me now. Anyhow. It ain't anyhow. He told you how. You want to change? ¿Quieres ser cambiado? ¿Quieres ser diferente? ¿Quieres ver una transformación divina? You want to see a divine transformation in your life? How many want to see transformation in your life? Ooh, come on, how many want to see transformation in your marriage? How about your finances? Wait, wait, wait. Whatever your mind is set on with all that problem you got right here, how about that? Want that to change? Here, here's how you do it. Ready? Behold his glory. And the glory of God is your pursuit. Everything else falls into we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord. We are being what? Transformed. Get this. Into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is that spirit. Don't tell me you want transformation when you don't want to behold his glory. Don't tell me you want, you want to change when you have no desire to make him the sole pursuit of your life. Don't tell me you want change. Change comes by beholding his glory. Because when we see him, hallelujah, the Bible says one day we will see him. And when we see him, we shall be like him. The more I see him, the more I become like him. Give me eyes. My prayer was, Lord, give me eyes. My prayer today, God, here's what I'm telling you. My prayer this afternoon in the middle of Gills was, Lord, give me eyes that behold your glory. I don't want to see a building. I wish you could hear my heart tonight. I don't want to see a building. I don't want to see a balcony. I don't want to see multitudes. All these things are okay. But I want eyes that want to behold your glory. I want to see your glory. Because if I can see your glory, then I know that I will look more and more like you. I want I want to be more like Jesus. What good is it for us to have a thousand members with the best building in the valley if we don't have his glory? Lord, we want to see your face. Show me your glory. Not a building. Show me your glory. Show me your glory. Show me your glory. Show me your glory. In my home, in my marriage, show me your glory. For my children, show me your glory. If they don't see your glory, they won't be like you. They won't follow you. If people come to our church and they don't see your glory, they'll stay the same. But if your glory will visit us, if my heart can be set after your glory, then it doesn't matter what I go through because I know that the end of it all is for the glory of your own name. 
Even the hell that I go through, God, at the end of this, I can be sure that you will get the glory. When your heart is set on the glory of God, the enemy can throw everything and the kitchen sink at you and you're going to remain standing because you know at the end of it all, somebody's going to glorify your Father in heaven. Billy, you're telling me that my carnal mindset is an issue of glory? That's, that's correct. Because grace upon grace comes when we behold his glory. John 1, 14, 16. And that glory has a nature. It's full of grace and it's full of truth. The glory of God is full of grace. Somebody say, it's full of grace. Now, I believe this church knows how mad we need the grace of God. Look then. Set your eyes then. Set your mind then. Where it belongs. Ready? On his glory. Father, I thank you for your word. Right now, you are challenging the carnal mindset of everybody in this church. 